0: Thank you very much, Pastor, and praise the Lord. Thank you for coming out tonight, and i um, excited to be here with you on a Monday night. We can't say we're missing Monday night football, because football, it hadn't started yet, right? Well, that went over like screen windows in a submarine, didn't it? <laughs> oh, me. Oh. Let me tell you... Um, just, this is just going to be for me. I, I want to tell you one of my favorite jokes. This lady <clears throat> got on an airplane. Now, I'm not going to tell you what color hair she had. She just was not very bright. Can we just say it like that? And when she got on the airplane, it was going to be her first airplane ride. She was going to California, and uh, she had never even been on an airplane, She was so excited, and when she got on the plane, she saw those first-class seats, and she went, wow, look at that, and just sat down. Now, the stewardess came up and said, ma'am, that's not your seat. Your seat is in the coach section in the back of the plane. She said, no, this is my first airplane ride. Uh, This is my first time going to California, and I really like this seat, and I think I'll just sit here. And she got blue in the face, trying to tell her that's not your seat. Somebody paid extra money for that seat. She couldn't get her to move, so she went to the uh, the stewardess went to the pilot and said, "Look, I got a lady back here. She's not too bright. I can't get her to move. Maybe you can help me." And the pilot looked back there and saw, and he went, "Oh yeah, I'll take care of this for you." So he walked back over there, leaned over, and whispered something in her ear. She got right up and went to the back of the plane. And the stewardess said. What in the world did you tell that lady? He said, I told her first class wasn't going to California. <laughs> so there you have it. Take it for what it's worth, all right? Well, let me start out. We'll, we'll have a little fun here and do a little fun song with you. This is an old, old song. Oh, well, let me see if I, I have any friends in here tonight. How many of you remember Lonzo and Oscar? Anybody remember Lonzo and Oscar? Not a soul. All right, how about Homer and Jethro? Anybody? Okay, we got a few of those. They both recorded this song years and years and years ago. And uh, I recorded every CD that I do. I try to put a little fun song on there because the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Amen. So we'll try this one. Many, many years ago when I was 23 Was married to a widow who was pretty as could be Widow had a grown-up daughter, she had hair red. My father fell in love with her and soon the two were wed This made my dad my son-in-law and changed my very life My daughter was my mother because she was my father's wife To complicate the matters even though it brought me joy I soon became the father of a bouncing baby boy Little junior then became a brother-in-law to dad And so became my uncle, though it made me rather sad For if he is my uncle, then that also makes him brother To the widow grown-up daughter, who of course is my stepmother My father's wife had had a son that kept him on the run And he became a grandchild because he was my daughter's son My wife is now my mother's mother and it makes me blue Because although she is my wife, she's my grandmother too And if my wife's my grandmother, then I'm her grandchild Every time I think of it, it nearly drives me wild Now I have become the strangest thing you ever saw As husband to my own grandma I am my own grandpa I am my own grandpa I am my own grandpa It's funny, I know it really is so I am my own grandpa and it works out on paper. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, I was talking to a brother uh, back there at the t- uh, in the back of the church a little bit ago, and that saying, better than I deserve, uh, my brother, I was telling him, my brother said that Dave Ramsey stole that from him. He said he has been saying that for years, right? And one day my brother walked into a radio shack. I don't know if it's like you. There's no more radio shacks anywhere. And he walked in there, and he knew the guy that uh, ran the place. And when he walked in, he said, how you doing? Uh, the guy said, how you doing, Sammy? And my brother said, better than I deserve, and just walked on in the store. Now, there was a man and a woman at the counter there, and she left her husband paying the bill and walked back there and looked at my brother and said, young man, I heard what you said when you came in here, and it offended me. And my brother said his first thought was, lady, I wasn't even talking to you, but he didn't say that. And he said, I'm not sure what you mean. She said, You said better than I deserve. Don't you realize that you deserve a lot and even more? And that's what this whole world thinks right now, you know, the entitlement thing that's going on. He said, Oh, he said, I see what you're saying. He said, ma'am, you have to understand something. I'm a born-again Christian, and anything better than hell in the grave is better than I deserve. And he went home and opened the Bible and made sure that he was biblically right in making that statement to that lady, and then he wrote a a song called Better Than I Deserve, and he even preached a message called Better Than I Deserve. So I want to sing this song to you, but before I do, I want to ask you a question: How are you doing tonight? Yep, there you go. That's what you were supposed to say. Thank you, Lord, for giving me forgiveness without end. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary, your love for sinful man. Thank you for your mercy and for grace and never ends. For loving me unselfishly when so unlovely I had. Every day I praise your name, thankful I can serve. And no matter what tomorrow brings, it's better than I deserve. Thank you, Lord, for family, for kind and precious friends. Thank you for a faithful wife My dearest and best friend Grateful for eternal life And for purpose in my pain For helping me to realize That to die for me is gain Every day I praise your name Thankful I can serve, and no matter what tomorrow brings, it's better than I deserve. Thank you for your presence and for strength to carry on. I thank you for the peace of God when trials linger on. Every day I praise your name, thankful I can serve. And no matter what tomorrow brings, it's better than I deserve. Yes, no matter what tomorrow brings, it's better than I deserve. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well thank you again for allowing me to be with you tonight. I want you to turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 please tonight. And Pastor and I had a great time today and fellowshipping with one another. He's been taking care of me very well and I appreciate that and God has given you a great gift of this dear man of God and his wife, and uh, be thankful for that. I go to churches all over the country, and it's not always like that in every church that I go to, but he has uh, become a dear friend, and, and, I, and I thank God for him. And um, I'm going to be talking about something tonight. It's a little hard for me to preach this message uh, because I share some things about my life growing up as a little boy and... Some things that happened to me, I try, try not to be too graphic. I don't want to glorify the sin that was going on or anything like that. But, you know, there's a lot of people that are growing up in some rough situations. Um, I had a great mom and dad. and I mean, looking back on it, I wish I'd have been more obedient. It would have made life a lot easier for me. But I was the middle boy, and I was a rebel, and I just didn't pay attention, didn't listen. I tell people I went through school basically untouched by education. When I went to <laughs> I went to the first grade, I remember my brother was just smart as a whip, straight A student, and say so he's a year older than me, and so I followed him in school. And every teacher, oh, you're Sammy Fry's brother. Are you smart like him? I say, no, ma'am, I'm dumb as a rock. You know, I said, show me where the play doh is, and just leave me alone, 'cause <laughs> you know what I mean. But uh, it was it was hard growing up after my brother. He was very. Uh, talented in sports and stuff, and I didn't have any of that. So, But you know what? God has a purpose and a plan for all of us, and he makes us all different. Amen? And I hope you'll come back tomorrow night because I, I have a message uh, that I have preached throughout the country, and, and God has used it to help some people and pray that it will be a blessing and a help to you. So if you'll come back tomorrow, you will hear the rest of the story. All right? And so I'll share that with you. But if you found your way in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 4, and if you're able to stand, would you stand with me? And we're going to read a few verses and have a quick prayer time. And we'll see what the Lord will do in our hearts tonight. Ephesians chapter 4, starting in the, uh, verse 26. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. The Word of God says this, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole still no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. With God's help, I would like to preach this message tonight entitled, The Battle of Bitterness. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God in heaven, Lord, again, I ask you to help me tonight. My voice is not 100%, and you know all about that. So I pray that you would help me, Father, to be able to share... um, the scripture and preaching of this message and the singing of the song that I'm getting ready to sing in a way that would bring honor and glory unto you and that my voice would not be a hindrance during this message. Father, thank you for these dear people that have come out on a Monday night, not to hear me, but to hear from you. And I pray that you would speak to each and every heart. And Father, I pray that you would do a deep work in each and every heart whatever it is, whatever the need may be. And Father, by chance, if there's anybody here and they don't know you as Savior, they've never been born again into your family, may tonight be their night. I pray for those who are listening online. Lord, again, that your word would go forth and accomplish what you sent it out to do. Help me to get behind the cross. Empty me of myself so that you can come forth and do your work. In Jesus' precious name, I pray with thanksgiving. Amen and amen. You may be seated, and I appreciate you standing. <clears throat> you know, we all struggle with forgiveness sometimes, and I think the, a lot of times the main reason we do is because there's a root of bitterness down in our heart that we've never taken care of biblically like God wants us to. I heard a preacher say this. I can't remember where I was when I heard it. I just wrote it down. said, you are free to make choices but you are not free from the choices you make. Another uh, fellow by the name of Jim Wilson said this, guilt is what we feel when we sin, but bitterness is what we feel when others sin against us. And sometimes we tell people we're over it and we've buried the hatchet, but we leave the handle in and we bury it again and again and again, and we really never get over it. But even though we try to convince ourselves that we, that we have. Now, again, as I was telling you before, I was the middle boy. We have any middle children in here tonight? Two or three? Well, you understand my pain just a little bit. Seems like when everything went wrong in our home, I got blamed for all of it. And I'll be honest with you, most of the time it was my fault (laughs) because I was just not a very smart kid. My dad would tell me one thing to do, and I'd do the opposite. I was just a rebel, and I got myself in a lot of trouble that I didn't need to get into. But sometimes I would even be doing okay And I'd still get in trouble. Are you with me? And so one of those nights happened. I was sitting in my bed. I was reading a comic book, being a good kid for once in my life. My two brothers, Sammy, one year older, Dale, four years younger, they were in the bathtub splashing and making all kind of racket. And all of a sudden, out of the back bedroom, this is what I heard. Bruce, if I have to come in there, boy. And I went, I'm not doing anything this time, you know. But since it was me most of the time anyway, I just said, Okay, Dad. Next thing I saw was two little wet heads saying, thank you, brother. And I waved at them. But when they left, the tears started to come. And the bitterness in my heart towards my dad started to grow. And it got worse and it got worse. And there was some, uh, and I do to try to be careful here. I love my dad with all my heart. And he and I are best of friends now, but back then it was not like that. We were like magnets, and we rubbed each other the wrong way, and there was some physical abuse in, in, uh, towards me during that time and stuff. And, and so um, it, was just, it was just bad, and it just kept growing in my heart. Before I got saved, uh, <clears throat> if somebody pulled out in front of me on the highway, they've had a bad day the horn would blow, the window would come down, the unfriendly way, the screaming, the yelling, the cursing. I mean, I had road rage so bad. It was really bad because I had all this bitterness inside my heart. I'd never taken care of it. Didn't know how to take care of it. I left home when I was 17 years old. I finally said, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. I'm leaving. And I took off, left home at 17 years old. For about three or four years, I didn't go home, and when I did go home, like Christmas or, you know, holidays and stuff, when I would walk in the house, my dad would go back in the bedroom and shut the door until I left. So I got mad about that, and I quit coming home, and my mom and my brothers, wherever I was living, would come, and we'd try to have some kind of Christmas and stuff, but it was really hard back in those days, and all that was going on. And then I got to thinking about our relationship one day. And I really, deep down in my heart, I loved my dad. I wanted to have a relationship with him, but I just couldn't because he didn't want to talk to me. And I got to thinking about that, and I said, man, if something happens to me or if something happens to him, one of us is going to feel really bad. And I didn't want it to be me. So I wrote my dad a letter, really not a letter, just a paragraph. And I said, Dad, I don't expect a letter back from you. I don't expect a phone call. I don't expect anything. I just want you to know, Dad, before something happens to you or before something happens to me that I love you, Dad. And I signed my name and I mailed that letter. Obviously, my dad read that letter because the next time I saw him downtown Aberdeen, North Carolina, he said hello to me. That was a big day for me. The next time I saw him, he said, hey. He said, why don't you come by the house sometime, have some lunch with us. I said, okay. And little by little, things started getting better. Why? I took the first step. When two people have a problem, somebody has to take the first step or nothing's ever going to be resolved. I'm glad I took that first step. You know, the Bible talks about that. Getting things right with people so you can be right with God. And so here I was. I didn't know the Lord is my Savior, but I was so glad that my dad and I were talking again and things were getting a little better. And so one day I was in Nashville, Tennessee back in the 90s when I was there trying to get a record deal. And I was thinking about the letter that I wrote him and thinking about our relationship, how things were better. And I just started weeping. And I got an idea for a song called Between a Father and a Son. I started writing words on a napkin and I was sitting at the stoplight a mile from where I got saved in my apartment. And I was trying to write words down and wipe the tears out of my eyes. I went back to the apartment and I wrote the whole letter. I mean the whole song. And a friend of mine came by to see me, and I said, hey, check out this new song I just wrote. Told him the story, played the song, because I wrote it just like it happened. You know, that I sent the letter, he got the letter, and things got better, right? And then this is what they said to me that day. They said, wow, what if the letter wouldn't have got there on time, and something would have happened to you or your dad? Wouldn't that have been bad? And I said, yeah, it sure would have. So I turned the song around as if the letter didn't get there on time, and the dad died. Now, just to make it have a little more impact, you know, and the first time my dad heard this song, he said, wow, you write a song about me and kill me off in it. What'd you do that for, boy? And I said, I'm sorry, dad. I was just trying to have the song make a little more impact and stuff, you know, and and then after I got saved, I I changed the last verse of the song, and so I want you to know that uh, my dad is still living. He's 91 years old, and uh, we love each other very much, and If he was standing here beside me, you would know that he's my dad because we look just alike. As a matter of fact, my dad was a big hunter. And he had this guy that he got all his uh, hunting equipment from, his dogs and his dog food and his birds and stuff. And I came by the house to see him one day, and he was getting ready to get in his truck and leave. And I said, Dad, where are you going? He said, I'm going to go see the dog man. That's what he called him, the dog man. And I said, can I ride with you? I've heard about this guy all my life, never met him. He said, yeah, hop in. So I got in a truck with my dad. We drove out in the woods. or out in the, you know, down. Well, I can't remember where it was. But anyway, it's a long time ago. We pulled up to this guy's house. I got out on one side of the truck. My dad got out of the other. And there's the dog man. And he said, hey, Sam. He said, you're going to have to claim that puppy. He looks just like you. So they even talked in dog terms, you know. Mama said that we were just alike in every way. And I favored him more With each passing day It took years later And many tears to find The closest distance between us Was his heart and mine I was a rebel My heart filled with rage so I left my family at an early age I was too young to know just what I had lost the land to realize my stubbornness had cost the love between a father and a son Is not always given Sometimes it must be earned And even though it takes a while For some of us to learn You can't deny the love between A father and a son So I wrote a letter Filled with things I couldn't say I wanted him to know I cared Before it was too late My mailman came daily But I chose to wait For he deserved to hear these words From me face to face And on a cold December morning Kneeling by his grave, clutching this unopened letter, and wishing he could hear me say the love between a father and a son. Shown on Calvary's hill when God gave his begotten one and if you put your trust in him that's when you'll finally learn you can't deny the love between a father and the son you can't deny true love between the father and the Son. Amen. The battle of bitterness. I'd like to help you tonight with the help of the Holy Spirit of God and His Word and share with you three problems as a result of bitterness in the heart. Problem number one. If you have bitterness in your heart, whether it be towards somebody or some circumstance, something that's happened to you, or maybe even towards God, you get no peace at all. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The Bible also says in Romans 12, 1, If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. And you can do the best you can to live in peace with all men, but sometimes it just doesn't work. And you can do everything you can do, but sometimes if you do what God tells you to do, and people still reject you, you've done all you can do, and you just have to leave that with the Lord. But then secondly, you got bitterness in the heart or any unconfessed sin? You get no prayers answered. The Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Did you hear that? If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. You know that uh, that the word regard there, excuse me, I'm having to clear my throat a little bit. Is there some water down here, preacher? Yep. I don't know, that looks like it might be open. No, I'm just kidding. Doesn't this make you thirsty? Oh, thank you. The word regard here in this verse in the Latin language is a word that is spelled video, but it's not pronounced like that. In your Latin language, all your W's are, or your, all your V's are pronounced with a W, and so it's not pronounced video, it's pronounced widow Widow. But what happens if you're bitter and angry at somebody and you think about that person or you see that person, all of a sudden a video starts to play in your mind and then a fire starts to burn in your heart. So, what happens. Romans 12, 1 says, um, I mean, I'm sorry. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. So, number one, you get no peace at all. Number two, you get no prayers answered. And then number three, you give place to the devil. Look back at your Bibles there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. It says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Now that phrase, give place, is, it means topography. It means to give ground. Do you know when you become a child of God, the devil can't do anything to you unless you give him an open door. And when you have unconfessed sin in your life, and I believe especially the, the, un, uh, the sin of bitterness, you open the door for him to come in. My friend, Dr. Jim Benny said it like this. He said, your life is like a pizza pie. And what Satan wants to do, he wants to get in there and get a slice of your pie. And When you open the door and give him a slice, he doesn't want to just eat a slice. He wants to eat the whole pie. He wants to come in and get a stronghold in your life because he hates you. He hates every child of God. He really does. Satan can't take anything, but we can give him ground. The Bible says in James 4, 17, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I'll give you an illustration about this. Uh, Years ago, when I first got married, (coughs) my wife and I were having a little bit of a heated discussion. You ever had one of those with you, mate? I had a guy tell me one time, he said, I've been married 50 years. Preacher, he told me this. He said, I've been married 50 years and my wife and I have never had an argument. I said, "You're kidding me." He said, "Yeah, we don't talk." <laughs> but my wife and I were newlyweds, and it was during this time. And I remember—I don't remember what, what was going on. I don't remember the conversation. But obviously, she had said something that bothered me, or whatever. And I, she was sitting on the couch, and I'm standing up here pleading my case. And I and I was trying to reason with her and make the, And it wasn't going too good. And I was just mad. And finally, I just said, "Forget it. I'm going to bed." And I turned around and walked down the hallway, went into the bedroom and got on my knees to pray. Guess what? I couldn't pray. I wanted to pray. And I don't hear bells ringing or voices in my head, but that still small voice of the Holy Spirit said, you need to go back in there and tell your wife you're sorry and ask her to forgive you. I said, no, I don't either, God. I said, she started this thing, it's her fault. She needs to come in here and apologize to me. It's not my fault, it's her. And all of a sudden, I'm having an argument with God. Have you ever tried to argue with God? Then I realized, man, this is not going too good. And I said, God, you are right. I said, I confess my anger toward my wife and as sin. I said, God, I am so sorry. And I got right with the Lord. And then I went in there to get right with my wife. You see, when you get right with God, it's like this. You get right with people, it's like this, and it forms a cross. And all the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Now, on my way in there, if I was going in there just so I could hear her say it was my fault, I'm sorry. I'm going in there for the wrong reason. I'm going in there because I want to be right with my heavenly father. And I want to make things right with my wife. I went back in there and I said, honey, what I said was wrong. The way I said it was wrong, I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And then she told me it was her fault. No, I'm just kidding. But I'm telling you, once I left her presence, I went back in the bedroom and I was able to get on my knees and pray. But before that, it wasn't happening because I was giving place to the devil. I didn't have any peace, and my prayers were hindered because I was bitter and angry against my wife. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 19, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Do you know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit of God, nothing's going to offend you anyway? A friend of mine, he's in heaven now, Pastor Bobby Robertson, pastored a big church there in North Carolina, and he told me a story about him and Lester Roloff riding down the road. And he said something he thought might be just a little off color. And he looked over at Brother Roloff and he said, oh, Brother Roloff, he said, I'm so sorry. He said, he said, I shouldn't have said that. He said, I would never want to do anything to offend you. Before he could say another word, Brother Roloff looked at him and said, Brother Bobby, you can't offend a dead man. And see, we get offended because we're not dead enough. People are so sensitive today. Have you seen that? You can't do anything. Man, they took the Redskins off my team's name. Are you kidding me? Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Little bitty things like that. It's crazy. But people, uh, they get offended. Don't call me this. I want to be called this. Oh, it's just nuts the way the world is going. It's just crazy. But the Bible says in Psalm 119, 165, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. And the reason we get offended is because we're not dead enough. That's why Paul said, I die daily. Amen. 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 All right. I've got a few there. All right. Thank you. Do you know what? If you're bitter at somebody, that you may be really bitter at God instead of the person, because what you're saying is, God, you allowed this person to hurt me. You allowed this person to say those things that were lies about me. Or you allowed this circumstance in my life. And we we think that we're bitter and angry at the circumstance or at the person, but we're really bitter at God. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 8, He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I'm memorizing these verses, but I still get them twisted up, so I'm going to read them so I don't mess them up. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort we with our, by the comfort, I can't even read it, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, what does all that mean? That means that God will allow something to happen to you in your life here because somewhere down the road, somebody else is going to go through what you've already been through. You've been there. You've done that. You wore the t-shirt. You threw it away, however you want to say it, and then you'll be able to help that person because God helped you through it back then. I'll give you an illustration of this. Years ago, when I first saved, I was still living in Nashville, but I was working in Cleveland, Tennessee, about two and a half hours away. I started going to a church there, Shenandoah Baptist Church. Pastor Steve Grubbs was the pastor at that time. He's in Maine now. But they had a boys' ranch and a girls' haven. And on Tuesday nights, I would go to the boys' ranch, and they would always have a preacher there. And one of those nights, after the service was over, a 16-year-old boy came up to me and said, Brother Bruce, can I talk to you? I said, sure, buddy. And we went into a room and sat down, started talking, and he just started opening his heart to me. He said, Bruce, me and my dad just never got along. We were like magnets. We rubbed each other the wrong way. And, we, you know, we we're just having a hard time. And that's why I got in trouble. That's why I'm here at, at the boys' ranch. And he just started pouring out his life to me. And he was telling me all these things. I'm thinking, this kid is me. This is amazing. He started crying. I started crying. And then finally he just stopped. And he said, why am I telling you all this? You have no idea how I feel. I said, boy, I know exactly how you feel. He said, how could you know? I told that young man some things that happened to me growing up as a boy that I've never told anybody because I knew it would help him. And it did help him that day. We wept, we cried, and he said, Bruce, I'm going to go back to my bunk and I'm going to write my daddy a letter. I said, praise the Lord, buddy. We prayed. I left his presence, and I walked out, and I looked up to the stars of heaven, and I said, God, I've often wondered why some of the things happened to me that happened to me when I was a kid. I didn't understand it. I said, but God, if he's the only boy I ever help, thank you, Father, for allowing that in my life so I could help that young man. You see, God's a good God. The devil wants you to think he's not a good God, but he's a good God. He allows things in your life for your good and His glory somehow, some way. Bitterness is like taking poison and waiting for the other person to die. How do you know if you're still bitter? You'll say things like this. I'll forgive them, but I'll never forget it. Or you'll say, I'll forgive them, but I don't want anything to do with them. Or I'll forgive them. But I don't want to ever see him again as long as I live. You're still bitter. If that's your answer, you are still bitter. Jesus doesn't want retaliation. He wants restoration. See, we want people to hurt. Hurt people hurt people. You know that? And uh, when somebody hurts us, we want want them to hurt like we were hurting. But Jesus is not like that. He wants restoration. 1 Peter 2.23, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. And Satan will cause you to believe in a lie so you can justify your sin. You'll say this, I have a right to be angry. The way those people treated me, I have a right to be angry. And I could get you all to come up here, stand in a line. I could whisper in your ear some things that happened to me when I was a kid. And I may get you to agree with me. Yes, Bruce, you have a right to be angry. Well, what am I going to whisper in the ear of the Lord Jesus Christ when it's his turn? Jesus, this is what they said about. Oh, they mocked you. And Jesus, this is what they did. They beat you with an inch of your life. And no matter what we've gone through is nothing compared to what Jesus Christ went through on his way to the cross and on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Nothing in comparison. Nothing. And I'm not going to have a leg to stand on it. Neither are you. Neither are you. Ephesians 5.20 says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is an act of obedience, trusting Him with the outcome. Look back at your Bible at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31. Ephesians, oh, I'm on the wrong page. How did that happened? It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. There's a progression here. I've used some words here and they all start with the letter H. The first word that God uses here is bitterness. We've already talked about that. So I use the word hate. Resentment when someone does you wrong. Then God uses the word wrath. That's when that hate becomes hot on the inside, that slow burn. And then he uses the word anger. That's when the hot comes out, open and outward. And then he uses the word clamor. Hate, hot in, hot out, and now, harmful words. We're vocal, we're loud, we're making known our dissatisfaction. And then he uses the phrase evil speaking. Not only are they harmful words, but they're hateful words. Saying things we don't really mean. And we want to slander that person to make them look bad. We end up making ourselves look bad doing that. And then God ends it with this word, malice. And if you get to this point, you want to hurt somebody or yourself. All these people that go into these schools and shoot all these kids and then kill themselves, there's a root of bitterness that's never been taken care of. And it finally explodes. That's what happens a root of bitterness. So how do we deal with this? Look at the next verse. Jesus said, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And some say, but I can't forgive them. Well, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. Now, you might not be able to, but you can do it through Christ with His help. We'll talk about that in a moment. I want to read some quotes that i found from different people. Mark Twain said this. It's beautiful. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the flower leaves on the heel of the one who crushed it. Isn't that pretty? Somebody else said, to forgive is to set a captive free, only to discover that captive is me. Forgiveness provides a refreshing shower for the mind and spirit. The softest pillow is a clean conscience. Forgiveness is agreeing to live with the consequences of another person's sin. Bitterness does more damage where it is stored than on the person who it is poured. Bitterness never kills its intended target. Bitterness finally eats the container that it lives in. Bitterness finally eats the container that it lives in. So, how do you battle bitterness? Three things. Number one, you confess your bitterness as sin to God. It is a sin that the Lord Jesus Christ died for on the cross of Calvary. And you need to confess it. God, I'm bitter in my heart. I'm angry at this person. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Then secondly, you need to pray for the person. You may say, I can't. I know you can't. But with the help of Jesus Christ, if you're a child of the living God, again, I can do all things through Christ. And I promise you this, you start praying for somebody that's hurt you, somebody that's done something, and it may be something very terrible, I understand that. But if you start praying for them, God will give you a love for that person. God will make you all of a sudden feel sorry for that person. It's an amazing thing that will happen. Matthew 5, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Then thirdly, if possible, go to that person and talk to him. I couldn't go to my dad. He wouldn't talk to me. If I called him on the phone, he'd hang up. That's why I wrote that letter. Sometimes we have to do whatever we can do. Now, if you write a letter and send it to the person, they never get back in touch with you. You've done all you can do. But I can tell you this. Letters can do wonders. Most people that get a letter in the mail will open it and they'll read it. And God can use a letter if you just ask him, help me write it. God, give me the heart I need as I write this letter. Mark eleven twenty five 25 says, And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. You know, it's really hard to battle bitterness until you first taste the forgiveness that the Lord Jesus Christ offers you through the death, burial, and resurrection of His precious Son. God wants you to be able to forgive others because He's forgiven you. And some people say, well, I'll just never forgive them. The moment you trust Christ as your Savior, God has forgiven you of every sin you've ever committed your whole life. Can you not forgive one person of one sin if he's forgiven you of all these many sins? Something to think about, isn't it? There was a man, I heard a story that went to Africa he was trying to win this African uh, village to Christ. And after he'd been there a little while, he had met this little boy, this little orphan, His mom and dad had passed away. So the missionary adopted that little boy, led him to faith in Jesus Christ. He was trying to teach him how to be a godly young man, you know, opening the Bible to him every single day. And One day that little boy had made him a play sword, but it was a very sharp play sword. And he was out in the yard and he was fighting with the chickens, just having a big time. His dad walked out of the hut and saw what was going on. And he said, son, stop, stop, stop. He said, son, if you kill one of them chickens with your sword, we're not going to have eggs for breakfast. He said, do me a favor. He said, take your sword, fight with a tree or something you can't kill. Okay, buddy. He said, okay, dad. Dad went back in the hut. The little boy went right back to fighting the chickens accidentally killed one of them chickens. Instead of going in the hut and telling his dad what he had done, confessing his sin, he took that chicken to the edge of the woods, dug a hole, buried it, took some leaves, covered his tracks, and when he turned around, uh uh-oh, guess who's watching him do the whole deal? Not his new daddy, but the meanest man in the village. And he looked at him and said, Ha! Christian boy? Your daddy going to think about you now? Little boy started crying and he said, please don't tell him what I've done. He'll be so ashamed of me. He said, I'm begging you, please don't tell him what I've done. I'll do anything you ask me to do, but please don't tell him what I've done. So That mean old man looked at him. He said, all right, I'll tell you what, boy. He said, when I wake up in the morning, when I walk outside, if I have wood and I have water right beside my hut, I won't say a word. But I wake up one day and there's no wood and there's no water. I'm going to march up the hill and tell your daddy what you did with that chicken. He said, you'll have wood, you'll have water, I promise you. For two weeks solid, that little boy toted wood and toted water and toted wood and toted water until his heart was about to bust he couldn't stand it anymore. And he ran into the hunt. He said, Daddy, he said, You remember the chicken, the sword? You told me not to do it. I disobeyed you. I killed him. He said, I'm so sorry. He said, Will you please forgive me, Dad? His dad wrapped his arms around his son. He said, Son, you are forgiven. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 13, Whoso confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall have mercy. But who covers it up will never taste that. That little boy walked out of the hut. The weight was off of his shoulders. He had a smile on his face. And the next morning, he didn't take any wood and he didn't take any water. That mean old man came to him and said, Hey, boy, where's my wood and where's my water? He said, I'm not doing that anymore. He said, well, I'm going to go tell your daddy what you did with that chicken. He said, You don't have to, already did. And I'm forgiven. They say you can catch a raccoon several different ways. Well, one way is this. You take a board, you cut a big round hole in it, you put nails, and then behind the hole, you put a piece of bait. And when the raccoon sticks his hand and grabs the bait, when he pulls his hand back, the nails catch him like this. If he was a smart raccoon, he'd let go of the bait and he could get his hand out, but he's not that bright. And he holds on to the bait and he tugs and and the longer he holds on to it, the more trapped he becomes. It's the same thing with bitterness or any other unconfessed sin. The longer you hold on to it, the more trapped you become. And God wants you to let it go and give it to Him. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight? With every head bowed and every eye closed,